Hello, witchy friends. Welcome to Cat's Teen Witchcraft. My name is Fauna, and I am your host. This podcast is for those who are Wiccan, witches, and everything in between. Don't forget to follow the podcast social media pages at Cat's Tea and Witchcraft on Instagram, Cat's Tea and Witch on Twitter, and Cat's Tea and Witchcraft Podcast at gmail.com. Again, thank you for listening to Cat's Tea and Witchcraft and enjoy the episode. Hello, witchy peeps. Welcome back to the podcast. This is episode 117, and today's topic is going to be about Letha. Letha is another one of those festivities that we have that are part of the Witches or the Wiccan Wheel of the Year. So I know this is a couple days late on the exact date for this year, but in general for a lot of our Sabbaths or our little celebrations that we celebrate, not necessarily little, they can be very large and extravagant, but People will celebrate them either like the weekend before, the weekends after, or even up till the next Sabbath because these things are usually associated with the seasons and the focusing on the sun and the moon. So we don't just have to focus on them for one day. Before we get into any more details about Letha, we have this week's crystal and that is Smoky Quartz. The first book I have for today is The Essential Guide to Crystals, starting on page 66. It says, Smoky Quartz can be found where granite exists, often in mountainous regions or within volcanic rocks. The smoky black coloration is thought to occur when clear quartz is subjected to radioactive decay in nearby minerals. In healing, smoky quartz has a more gentle effect than clear quartz, which can be over-energized for sensitive people. Smoky quartz has many varieties and moods as shades of color. It can feel peacefully radiant, absorbing solid, earthy, and mysterious. With its perfectly black crystal facets, it absorbs the attention in a quiet way that the reflective brightness of the clear quartz can rarely achieve. Within it, one can sense the depths of space, the potential of new creation, and the memory of ancient events. For magic, it says smoky quartz concentrates energy, whereas clear quartz expands energy, and it provides a focus for meditation. For healing functions, it calms the mind and focuses its thoughts and helps gently ground us. For keywords, it says potential, beginnings, and stability. The next book I have is Love is in the Earth, starting on page 606. It says, Smoky quartz is a form of quartz occurring in masses, crystals, etc. The color range includes light smoky gray to dark smoky gray and black. The energy of this mineral is especially applicable to the areas of the solar plexus and the chakras located at the hands and feet. Its rutilated and dark varieties are quite effective in the activities related to the energy frequencies of the physical and etheric bodies. The energy can penetrate and can subsequently transform negative emotions and negative energy patterns. It tends to penetrate and to dissolve energy fields which have been generated from negative thought forms, anger, and resentment. 
it can be used to gently dissolve negative energies and emotional blockages. It softens negative energy and allows the positive frequencies to enter the realm of affection. It works to dissolve the resilient formations, effects, disorders, and disease which a problem has created. It can be used to relieve barriers which may exist between the beta and alpha state of the mind. Hence, if one is worried and desires to set aside the thinking mind and to clear the mental channels, smoky quartz can facilitate. It tends to refine the vibratory energies when one is in the state of meditation, allowing for both the clarity of thought and the elimination of impending willfulness. It can be used to initiate a power force field which will absorb many forms of negativity both from within oneself and from outer sources the last book i have is llewellyn's complete book of correspondence and for smoky quartz it starts on page 245 for zodiac capricorn and libra for elements earth and fire for energy yin and that's all there is on 245 so it moves on to 246 and for chakras crown root, sacral, and solar plexus, for directions, northeast, southwest, and west, for issues, intentions, and powers, abundance, balance, calm, community, consciousness, creativity, dream work, emotions, general energy and sexual energy, fear, grounding, self-improvement, luck, calming the mind, improving mood, negativity, obstacles, psychic ability, purification, sex and sexuality, mental stimulation, conscious transformation, truth, unity, and subconscious wisdom. So that is all I have for you today on Smoky Quartz. I have been using Smoky Quartz for a really long time, and one of the first reasons I started using it was when I was having some issues with um, an energy that was attached to me for a while, and that was my mistake for ghost hunting. And I was having dreams that weren't like nightmares, but it was repetitive enough to where I figured out that there was something attached to me and it was appearing within my dreams. So I slept with smoky quartz under my pillow for like six months to a year. And I feel like it did help because I didn't have those dreams anymore. And there was a couple times when I wasn't in my dorm room because this happened when I was in college. So when I didn't have it with me, some of those dreams would come back. And then after so long, they eventually did go away. So if you guys are having any issues with that, maybe keep smoky quartz in your pillow or next to your bed. I would say if you have it in your pillow, definitely put it in a separate bag as well because if it slips out or falls out, it might cause a little bit of damage to your crystal and you don't want it to like really break or crack. You could still use it, but if you're trying to keep it as one whole piece, just make sure it's in a corner that's like on the side that's furthest from the opening, unless you have like the zipper ones or the ones where you like fold it in half and then stuff it from the middle. But most of my pillowcases are just like open on one side. So very easily, depending on if you're a crazy sleeper or not, it could fall out. So I recommend depending on the size and how raw it is to put it in a separate nice little cushioned bag. So now on to today's main topic. Letha, otherwise known as the summer solstice or midsummer, this year it falls in 2023 on June 21st. But usually there is a range depending on the year between June 19th and 22nd in the northern hemisphere and between December 19th and 22nd in the southern hemisphere. 
One quote that I found explaining the difference of the dates a little bit um, comes from wiccaliving.com and it says, though it's typically celebrated on June 21st, the exact moment of the summer solstice varies from year to year. This is due to the slight misalignment between the Gregorian calendar and the actual rate of the Earth's rotation around the sun. The solstice also occurs at differing location times, so depending on where you live, it may fall on the day before or the day after of the date listed on many given calendars. For this reason, a date range of June 20th to 22nd is often cited in sources on the Wheel of the Year. But like many pagan and ancient celebrations, Letha has varying traditions and stories associated with those origins, mythology, and the different part of the seasons depending on where it is in the world. Generally, this time of year is a celebration to honor the sun and the energy that it provides us. It represents the time of year with maximum energy and the longest amount of sunlight. Now we are seeing it getting darker later and later, and depending on the type of work schedule you are, you might be going to bed before the sun has even completely set, like what I have to do. This is the time of year that many of us start to see and feel maximum energy from the sun and this is a perfect time to do rituals and magic that focus on sun energy because you don't have to wait for the moon you don't have to only work with moon energy and I feel like a lot of people miss out on that because so many think that witchcraft is just associated with the night and the moon which is not always the case. So now on to a little bit of history of the summer solstices, Letha in Midsummer. So the ancient word solstice comes from the Latin word sol. And the ancients noticed that as summer progressed, the sun stopped moving northward in the sky and then began tracking southward again as summer turned into fall. Neolithic humans may have initially started to observe the summer solstice as a marker to figure out when to plant and harvest their crops. In ancient Egypt, the summer solstice corresponded with the rise of the Nile River, and its observance may have helped predict the annual flooding that happened with the Nile. Also, different cultures and religions and traditions have had different names for the summer solstice. In Northern Europe, it's often referred to as Midsummer. Wiccans and other neo-pagan groups call it Letha. While some Christian churches recognize the summer solstice as St. John's Day to commemorate the birth of John the Baptist. In Northern and Central European Neolithic cultures, the summer solstice may have been related to timing of the crops, like we have already mentioned, and it was typically marked by Celts, Slavic, and Germanic people by lighting bonfires intended to boost the sun's strength for the remainder of the crop season and to ensure a healthy harvest. The solstice was particularly important to Nordic communities where seasonal changes in the sunlight are dramatic. The Vikings used the long days to maximize their productivity by hunting, settling disputes, and conducting raids. According to some ancient Greek calendars, the summer solstice marked the start of the new year. The summer solstice also marked the one-month countdown to the opening of the Olympic Games. 
Cronia, the festival celebrating Kronos, the god of agriculture, was also held around this time. The Greeks' strict social code was temporarily turned on its head during this time, with slaves participating in the merriment as equals or even being served by their masters. In ancient China, the summer solstice was associated with yin, the feminine force, festivals celebrating earth, femininity, and the yin force. Many Native American tribes took part in solstice rituals, which are still practiced today. In Sioux culture, for instance, performs ceremonial sun dances around a tree while wearing symbolic colors. Some scholars believe that the Wyoming Bighorn Medicine Wheel, an arrangement of stones built several hundred years ago by Plains Indians that aligns with the summer solstice sunrise and sunset, was the site of the culture's annual dance. In Peru, archaeologists discovered an ancient observatory complex with additional buildings that aligns with the sun during the solstice, like Stonehenge does in the United Kingdom. Many modern witches also call this time of year Letha, like we have already mentioned, which is part of the popular Wheel of the Year used by many Wiccans and non-Wiccans. One story that is popular in the story of the Oak and Holly King is used to explain the difference between the summer solstice and the winter solstice. It's a battle between the two who were one, the Oak King rules over daylight and the Holly King rules over the night. The two are said to battle each other over at the summer and winter solstices. This story is said to have been inspired by a Celtic version of this story. So, of course, with there being a variety of ancient cultures and religions, there are a variety of different deities that were worshipped during the solstice. In Roman culture, there was the god Sol, and in Greek culture, there was Helios and Apollo. In Mesopotamian culture, there is said to be the sun god that was called Yerhebel, and more familiar in modern times that many modern Wiccans and witches might be aware of is the Wiccan god called the Horns God, who is often associated with the sun as well. And the last one I want to go over, even though there are many, many more in different cultures associated with the sun, this one is a little bit more significant due to how long this religion was around in history and the amount of interest that people still have nowadays in this culture and past religion and mythology. And that is the sun god of Egyptian culture. The summer solstice aligned with the rise of the Nile River, which we already talked about, and was often associated with the deity Ra, the deity of the sun, and was considered to be the creator of life, the ruler of the sun, the sky, and Egyptian kings. He was often depicted with a falcon's head and a sun disc. So we've gone over a little bit of where the words for the solstice came from, but because of the more modern times, many people call it Letha. So where does that word come from? And there was only a couple things that I found were associated and where the possible inspiration come from. So when trying to find the name Letha and where it came from, like I said, there were only a couple things. And one of them I did find on Llewellyn's website. And it says, a name for the summer solstice used in many modern pagan traditions is Letha. And it has been claimed as the original pagan name for the festival, but there is no evidence that has presented to back this up. 
The actual origin of the term appears to be by J.R.R. Tolkien's fantasy trilogy, The Lord of the Rings. In the calendar, Tolkien devised for the fictional race of hobbits. Midsummer's Day is named Lethe. I honestly thought that was very interesting. I've never even thought or like it never clicked before because I am a pretty big Tolkien fan. And sometimes the cool things about researching witchcraft and even just modern witchcraft is how even just fictional writing and stories and tales can inspire and develop our own modern religions, our own modern perspective on things, and witchcraft in general. And another little bit of information I found, I pulled from the book The Year of the Witch, which I have used as reference in the past, and it mentions that the term Letha may have been derived from an 18th century article called The Reckoning Time, and Letha was the name that was used for both June and July in ancient times. It mentions that the Anglo-Saxons called June C. Era Letha and July C. Aftera Letha. So it might not have originally come from Tolkien's trilogy, and maybe it did, or maybe it was a combo of the inspiration because Tolkien got it from somewhere else as well, but maybe because the Tolkien books were a little more modern, it might have been the more easy thing to access that gave the inspiration. And as a reminder, the term Letha for the modern wheel of the year that many pagans and witches use wasn't established until 1974 so it definitely is a modern word used for this celebration because things change over the years and the words were used in different cultures differently and as words change and evolve meanings that kind of mixes things up so moving on from the history of the solstice and Letha, now are common things and activities that you can do during this time of year. And I feel like that is more information that many of you are probably more interested in. Some of the things that you can do is hand fastings for weddings or engagement celebrations, have bonfires, which are commonly associated with this time of year historically. You could just have rituals celebrating nature. You could do spells involving the energy of the sun, focusing on prosperity and fertility. You could work in your garden and just spend time outside. You could also do crafts that are related to the season and the sun. Have a feast with your family and friends. You can maybe make stone circles in your own yards or communities if it is approved to do so. If you have that sort of community access and improvement. Or depending on where you live, maybe visit some of those ancient sites that are associated with the summer solstices. You could also work with and honor the element of fire in other sun or fire deities. You could also decorate your altar in red, yellow, and orange, and also symbols associated with this time of year, depending on your tradition, because different traditions have different symbols that they use too. And if you're comfortable with the Fae, maybe consider working with them or creating and establishing a relationship with them or create a nice little fairy garden or area in your yard you would like for them to spend time in. The last thing I'm really going to go over for today on the topic of Letha in the Solstice is I'm just going to read over this correspondence page that I have in a new book that I picked up since one of the last episodes and it's called The Ultimate Guide to the Witch's Wheel of the Year and it's by Anju Kiernan. 
So this starts on page 112. So for altar decorations, it says candles, citrus fruits, lanterns, lights, summer berries, and sun symbols, and sunflowers. For animals, bees, butterflies, caterpillars, horses, lions, and phoenixes. For celebrations, bonfires, feasting, hand fasting, pole dancing, and outdoor games and picnics. For colors, red, orange, yellow, green, white, and gold. For deities, the oak and holly kings, which are Celtic. Hathor, Isis, Nut, and Ra are Egyptian. Apollo, Hestia, and Vesta for Greco-Roman. And Baldur for Norse. For directions, south. Element, fire. Food and drink, berries, carrots, cheese, citrus, and tropical fruits. Fish, potatoes, honey, mead, melons, milk, salads, and tomatoes. For herbs, incense, and oils, black-eyed Susan, cinnamon, clover, corporal, daisy, dragon's blood, frankincense, goldenrod, rosemary, saffron, sandalwood, St. John's wort, sitting nettle, sunflower, and tiger lily. For musical instruments, drums, guitar, gong, harp, lyre, and violin. Stones, bloodstone, carnelian, citrine, clear quartz, red jasper, sunstone, tiger's eye, and yellow topaz. For symbols, bonfires, discs, phoenix, sun wheels, and swords. For themes, abundance, blessings, celebration, fire, fortune, mature love, peak of growth and expansion, strength, and the sun. For trees, beech, birch, holly, oak, and willow. And for zodiac and planets, cancer and the moon. Sun at zero degrees, cancer. So that is all I have for you guys today. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode and I'm a little sorry again for having such large gaps between episodes. It's just things are so crazy between my work schedule. I was just traveling for two weeks and then coming back and readjusting to things and getting back to my ridiculous work schedule again. So throughout the next year, up at least till the end of 2024, I'm probably still going to have a lot of scattered episodes. I'm going to try to have a little bit more consistency, but there's no promises or guarantees. Um, I will update you guys on some of those more details because they're very good and exciting things. It's nothing negative. It's nothing bad. It's just a lot of big life changes that are positive for long-term future things um spiritually wise and relationship wise so i just want to let you guys know that there's nothing wrong still and things are going very very well which is good it's just my time is getting stretched very very far and in between where i have time to do certain things so i hope you guys got a little bit out of this episode and i will talk to you guys soon and during the next episode have a great one blessed be (laughs) 